I'm Carol Speakerman, and this is Speakerman Speaks Retail, presented by MarketScale. Hi, everyone. It's Carol, and welcome to Episode 10 of Speakerman Speaks Retail. Today, we're on mistake number four in my series, Eight Mistakes Suppliers Can't Make. That means that we're halfway through those eight mistakes, but we're going to make sure that we get to all of them by November so that you can end 2020 with a bang and kick off your 2021 retail business big time. We're zeroing in on the unforced errors and the self-inflicted pain that I see suppliers perpetrate every single day. The good news is there are solutions to these mistakes, and we're talking about those in every episode. But speaking of solutions, that's our topic for today. We're going to be talking about one of the fastest growing segments in retail and one of my fastest growing client segments, solution providers, companies that provide things like agency services and data analytics, packaging, merchandising services, signage, and all kinds of other outsourced services that support retail. Now, some of you product and brand providers are also solution providers, and you may not even know it. Business is absolutely booming for solution providers because retailers have opened themselves up to outside solutions as never before. Retailers no longer believe they can or even think that they should develop everything in-house. But retailers tell me that some solution providers are at risk of blowing it by reinforcing bad habits. So today I've picked one of those habits to be mistake number four, providing sketchy value. We're going to run down the three most common ways that solution providers get into the sketchy zone and how to head it off at the pass. In episode two, we talked about how buy, build, or bridge is the big question on every retailer's mind. They're determining when it makes more sense to make an acquisition, to build things in-house, or to bridge through partnership, and it's guiding so much of their decision-making these days. Building those bridges through partnership is probably the fastest growing strategy. And as I mentioned before, retailers have never been more open to it. Well, you solution providers are the ones that are building those big bridges. You guys are helping retailers navigate all of this accelerating change. This is particularly true through the COVID crisis and particularly as retailers are plotting their strategies on the other side of it. So you'd be really hard pressed these days to find a retailer that isn't leaning in really heavily to partnerships. They're not always putting it out in a press release. It's not always fully disclosed. But retailers like Walmart and Lowe's and Target, Kroger, fashion companies, emerging digital players, all of these companies are working with all kinds of third-party providers in order to supplement their strategies. I mentioned brands because one of the unique advantages that you solution providers have is that many of you work with retailers and brands. Many of you can work with competing retailers and brands because retailers need what you got and they're now willing to look the other way sometimes if you work with their competitors. This newfound openness to partnership combined with this tolerance for a lack of exclusivity make the opportunity really ripe for solution providers right now. And the opportunity is not going to fade anytime soon because we do have the COVID crisis and just so many demanding dynamics right now that retailers know they can't navigate on their own. So let's talk about what might be getting in the way of all this opportunity. In my experience, sketchy value usually manifests in three very distinct ways. First of all, solutions in search of a problem. Retailers used to be satisfied to keep up with their competitors and make incremental improvements. But these days, they expect your solutions to provide a clearly defined competitive leap in the areas that matter the most to them. They want to make really big progress in a very specific area and very quickly. 
So that requires that you do extensive research on your specific prospects and your customers, not just on the general industry. And you have to focus on their current and future corporate initiatives. The root cause of solutions in search of a problem really just boils down to making misguided assumptions and primarily making assumptions that everybody has the same need or, and this is a very important distinction, assuming that everyone thinks that they have the same need. So even if they technically need you, but they don't think they need you, then you're going to be facing some really mighty headwinds. Perception is reality at the end of the day, and no amount of cajoling and rationalizing and explaining is going to change that. So know that your solutions have to align with their identified needs and identified priorities. And the same dynamic comes into play when you talk about upselling. Retailers tell me that constant and reflexive upselling can damage relationships like nothing else, and particularly if your add-ons and upgrades don't directly drive their goals. But here's the rub. Assessing actual and perceived needs isn't as straightforward as it used to be because no two retailers or brands are pursuing exactly the same strategies and they all have different priorities. So it's going to be up to you to pour over those quarterly and yearly earnings call transcripts to look at executive interviews and news blasts and really stay on top of what their priorities and goals are throughout your relationship. You have to do the work and create those linkages. You can't rely on broad assumptions. That's how you're going to slay solutions in search of a problem. The second way that sketchy value tends to manifest is through lack of focus. It's okay and even desirable to have all kinds of capabilities. It's not always smart to trot all of them out for every occasion. One retailer called this problem the pick a card, any card approach. And it's another way that solution providers end up giving their power away because you're expecting your prospect to choose from your menu as those options just go spinning by. At the end of the day, that's an abdication of your responsibility. And it ties into what we just talked about. Linking your capabilities first with what specific prospects and customers actually think they need, and second, with what they're actually prioritizing. You want to proactively and strategically narrow things down so they don't have to. And this also carries through to how you develop your next stage growth strategies with existing customers. Everybody wants to build those long-term dependencies, but these days retailers tell me that they favor shorter-term, high-impact, focused projects. There's that word again, focus. And this focused approach isn't easy because it takes a lot of confidence. You have to believe that what you do provides value and that it's going to lead to future work. It's not always easy to do, but crafting bite-sized solutions that achieve specific outcomes really is the future. And it is so much better when you're the one narrowing that focus rather than having them do it for you. So lack of focus blurs your value and blurry value is very sketchy. The third way that sketchy value rears its ugly head is through all or nothing thinking, and it takes a couple of forms. First of all, making it your goal every single time to sell that big kahuna, whatever that is in your world, that option with the most bells and whistles that has everything going at full capacity. Not only does this put a lot of unnecessary pressure on your sales teams, this all or nothingness increases the chances of rejection because you're literally giving your customers only two options all or nothing. You want to bring some options to the table. And I'm going to talk about those options in just a second. Now, the second way that this all or nothingness takes form is by thinking that you have to always knock out all your competitors and take on all the business yourself. 
With my clients, I work through a four-stage business model that helps them see their options, present their options, and meet their customers where they are. Here it is, and I encourage you to write down these four steps because I think they'll be really powerful for your business. Originate, augment, coordinate, and collaborate. You can think of these as high-value roles that you play in various engagements, and you can mix and match them any number of ways. But let's go through them one by one. Originate is when you build solutions from the ground up. In this role, you're showcasing the full spectrum of your abilities and ideally also your quick ramp up times because you're positioning yourself as an alternative to your prospect or customer dedicating time and resources to building something themselves. Going back to favoring a bridge strategy over a build strategy and making a good case for that. The second, augment, is when you're plugging into and adding value to their existing platform. Now, this is where you can really showcase your ability to seamlessly integrate into your customers' current systems, no matter how complex they are or maybe even how antiquated they might be. Don't complain about it. Come up with an augmentation strategy that helps them work with their existing platform. The third one, coordinate, is essentially you serving as a project manager. This can apply to vendor-based programs that you're heading up and managing, to technology projects, agency relationships, and so much more. Some of my clients are so good at project management that they've extracted this coordinating piece out as a standalone business. Before, they were just giving a lot of those services away. And finally, collaborate. Now, this is when you're partnering with other providers, which can even include your competitors. Collaborative roles showcase your ability to play well with others, and they also demonstrate your confidence in the value that you bring in a very specific area. The last two roles, let's do a quick blowout on those, collaborate and coordinate. They both fall into an important category that I call no one company, because you're acknowledging and actively working under the premise that multiple solution providers will be needed, either in order to get the best results or because you know that your prospect or customer just isn't going to give you all the business. Now, if you know that that's their mindset, don't fight it. Jump into a coordinating or a collaborating role and own your piece of the pie right off the bat. You can even use that phrase, no one company, in your meetings, saying, in our experience, no one company makes all this happening, and here's where we see us adding value. And it's a great way to frame your case studies. You know, when you took on a very specific role in a project, you played well with others, and the results were amazing. That's a powerful story to tell, and it's all about coordinating and collaborating. Now, some of my clients have gotten so good at rocking this no one company positioning that they're actually in a position to dictate the role that their competitors play. They're making recommendations on where they provide the most value and then what they're going to give away to others. So if you do this really well, you can actually set the rules and the roles that others play. Coordinating and collaborating is where some of you brand and product providers can also jump in. In fact, I work with an apparel and accessories company that is really good at making products, but they're also really good at sourcing and compliance and a lot of back-end functions. After we did a workshop together, they started looking at ways that they could actively manage projects that didn't even involve their own products. 
Another company I work with is a product supplier, and they've always thought of their data analytics and gathering capabilities as just being a byproduct of their core business. But now they're starting to offer that as a value add to their customers and even to their competitors. So that's the power of looking at how solutions can really play a role in your business and how you can monetize it and use it as a growth engine. Originate, augment, coordinate, and collaborate. When you openly discuss these options with your prospects and your customers, and when you have them as an internal menu, if you will, of options for your business, you're in the driver's seat. I mean, do you see the difference between saying, we see a great opportunity to augment your platform, or we can coordinate this project for you, and here's what it looks like, rather than having your customers take charge and deconstruct your model or tell you which sliver of the business you're going to get. You're changing the conversation, and at the end of the day, you're changing outcomes. Solution providers are a fast-growing but less talked-about group of stakeholders within retail, and the competitive field is only going to get more crowded as retailers and brands seek advantages outside of their borders. So don't let these easy-to-avoid mistakes bungle your opportunities to go big and branch out. Take the sketch out of your story, own your options early in the game, and align your mojo with their goals. Get comfortable more than anything with focusing on the client. You don't need to prove yourself. They're talking to you for a reason. You just need to figure out what makes sense for them. Now, I hope you'll stay tuned for the rest of the series. And thank you so much for listening in today. I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, ideas, or stories to share. You can ping me directly at carol at speakermanretail.com or go to my site at speakermanretail.com to check out more insights, to subscribe to my updates, and to get the latest on events and other happenings. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well on the MarketScale site. See you next time and happy selling.